Do you feel beautiful? Do you look beautiful? Does one really affect the other? Welcome to Beauty Inside and Out with host Bonnie Bonadeo. In our show, we'll help you uncover your true self and unleash beauty that you never knew existed in order to be at your best, both inside and out. Now, here is your host, Bonnie Bonadeo. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Beauty Inside and Out. This is Bonnie Bonadeo, your host. And you know, we're in the month of July. And in July, we're talking about the beauty of aging. And in this beauty of aging that we're in right now, really, what it comes down to is there's so much opportunity for us to be able to look our best and feel our best. But sometimes we're scared. We're scared that, you know, to be able to have anything done, it might alter the way that we really do want to look. We want to look who we are, but we want to look fresh. We want to look you know, just a youthful us at a particular age. And I think there's a big misconception about plastic surgery. So we're going to talk a lot about that today with my guests. But first, let me do a quick thank you to our sponsors. And that's Chella Brow. You can learn how to do perfect brows in three easy steps. And if you want to find out how to do that, you can go to www.chella.com. And you too can have beautiful brows. And our other sponsor is Stages. Step up to the stage with a powerful voice and a brand. And how you can do that is at a two-day training that Stages offers. Go to www.stagesspeakercourse.com. That's stagesspeakercourse.com. Okay, perfect. Here we are. We are in the beauty of aging. And I got to tell you that, you know, beauty knows no age to some degree. And I think that we a lot of times look at beauty as just an external feature. But women over 50 today are shining brighter than ever before. Makeup, hair, non-invasive surgeries to even full-on surgeries. We're going to be talking with Dr. Deborah White, and she's going to join. She's joining me this morning to be able to talk about all surgeries, to be able to get that youthful look that you're looking for and beyond. So. Beautiful at the age of 50 plus. We've been really catering to a lot of our uh, women, which includes me of the over 50 brand here. So, uh, Dr. Deborah White, thank you for joining me this morning. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're actually we're actually very early in the morning here doing a show, but I love that uh, you're you're bright eyed and bushy tailed, ready to go here because. You have a great bio. You have a private practice in Scottsdale since 1996. You're a certified board, a board certified plastic surgeon. You specialize in cosmetic surgery for the face and body, but you have special interests in breast surgeries. And I love this part of it. You, you also specialize in surgeries for people that have had massive weight loss, um, which I think is fantastic because that in itself has got to be a challenge for people, a big accomplishment and then a big challenge afterwards. But here's my favorite part about you, Dr. Deborah White, <laughs> is that you've been accepted. You were accepted into Harvard, Yale, and Stanford after graduating uh, as a valedictorian in high school, and you chose Harvard as your place to obtain your undergraduate degree. And then you returned to Arizona um, to be able to get your medical school education at the University of Arizona. Go Wildcats! And that's where my that's where my son is at right now. And uh, then you did your general surgery here in Phoenix, and then you continued on with specializing in surgery. So you sound like a go-getter, and uh, it sounds like you've accomplished some really great things. So what I want to know is what kind of a little girl were you to be able to have that kind of momentum and get accepted in all three of those top colleges? Well, I just think it's kind of uh, 
lucky that I was someone who knew from an early age what they wanted to do. And when you have that behind you, then it's really easy to figure out what you need to do step by step. Like if you know you want to be a physician, then you know you want to get into a good college and to get into medical school. And especially if you want to do a subspecialty like plastic surgery, which they used to take maybe 250 in the country per year. So again, that makes it easier to have goals. But if you talk to people that knew me from grade school and high school, they'll tell you I wanted to be a plastic surgeon. I was always interested in art, sculpting, painting, and I still do when I have time. And then I was good at science. And then I was also motivated because I transferred here to Arizona in high school. And the guidance counselor, I told him I wanted to go to Stanford, and they said, oh, well, you know, that's pretty tough. You should maybe try for something else. And I was like, really? What kind of encouragement is that? <laughs> kind of gave me incentive to be like, I'll show you. And um, so that's kind of where it came from. And it's always been something I wanted to do, and I'm fortunate to be able to do something I love to do. Those are my favorite stories when somebody, it's almost like there's this like natural progression for, you know, somebody that should be our mentor at a young age to be able to be like, yeah, you can do it. Um, and instead they're like, oh yeah, that's never going to happen. And it does motivate us. And it's funny because I look at kind of the transition of, of you know, children nowadays and, and the, this whole millennial generation where, you know, everybody got a trophy and, you know, every, everybody wins type of thing. and. Uh, I just wonder, is, was there, is, in those cases, were there that person that, as their supposed mentor telling them, you can't do that, and uh, to get them motivated, because those are the best stories to be able to say, oh, I'm going to show you. So you ended up choosing Harvard, and, you know, and I'm sure, listen, we, we, for those of us that are, did not go down the same path with you, you know, you're going into general medical at this point and then specializing beyond. So this is a pretty extensive, you know, training that you have to go through to do this. And plastic surgery being one of the specialties, it has, you know, this narrow, narrower kind of field that you're going into. You knew you always wanted to do that, but what did you have to do to kind of start out in just general medical and general surgery? Well, I knew that, okay, so you have to get into college and you have to get into med school. Then you have to get into a general surgery program, and from there get into a plastics program. Although now they've gotten a little bit smarter in the last several years, now you can match for a combined general surgery plastic surgery program because it, it was pretty stressful having to move all over the country for all these different things. So it's about 15 years generally from uh, after high school to when you finish. So you you give up your 20s and early 30s, but if you're doing something you really love to do, then, you know, that's not that big of a deal. No, no. I mean, 15 years sounds like a, a long time for, um, you know, that training to be able to then get to this place that you're at. Um, but in, in truth, in some industries, there there's ongoing education that has to happen. So it feels like you're probably in some form of training all the time. And I'm sure that's happening today because there's so much new technology going on in regards to plastic surgery and just, I think, aesthetic surgery in general. And, and between, you know, these non-invasive techniques and, and full-on surgery techniques, a lot's changed in the world of a facelift, huh? 
Well, and then things have changed the way they used to be marketed. They used to come up with new medications, new devices, and they would show it to the doctors. We'd get a chance to test it and then decide whether it's not going to be marketed. Now these companies could do direct-to-consumer marketing a lot of times without sufficient uh, evidence that they work. And then the patients come in asking for these things they've heard about. And maybe the this hasn't been that extensive of testing or the results can be you know, pretty minor compared to what they were promised. And it makes it difficult to keep up with everything. Of course, with the internet, you have to spend a lot of time explaining why something maybe isn't really what they what they need. <laughs> yes, people are so yeah, we're so good at doing our own research and our own due diligence on saying this is exactly what I need and this is what I want. That then we you know we we make the appointment or we go into a consultation and then we're not willing to listen to what the doctor and the expert has to say in regards to what might be a better choice. Well, I think you see this in all fields right now, but you know, equal weight is given to somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about or somebody with an, an axe to grind as to, you know, careful uh, studies and uh, research. So it makes it, it's tough for the patient. I mean, even just figuring out who's a board certified surgeon, right? So there's plenty of people, they say they went to a board certified surgeon, but the surgeon was board certified, say, in internal medicine. And what very few people realize including other doctors, is that in this country, as long as you have an MD or a DO, you can legally do any kind of medicine you want, including perform surgery with no training whatsoever. And they'll say they're board certified by the American Board of Cosmetic Surgery, the United States Board, or they, you know, something that makes it difficult. And I think one way for people to tell if their surgeon can actually do these procedures is ask them if they have privileges at a hospital. Because I could do brain surgery in my office legally, and your dermatologist can do breast augmentation legally in their office, but the dermatologist would not be allowed to do it at a hospital, and I would, because I have the, they credential you. I have the proper training. So that's one way to tell if someone for real is board certified in that area. And they keep trying to call for better uh, you know, reporting requirements, but it's, it's a constant fight. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. See, now that's something that the consumer probably doesn't have enough education on is how to be able to dissect just the the proper credentials and finding the right doctor. And of course, anybody who's watched that show, um, oh, gosh, it just slipped my mind. The the one where they people have had bad surgeries and watch yes thank you I I mean anybody that's watched that show my goodness and and you know the the scary thing is is when you see some of these potential patients coming in to talk to the doctors it sounds like they did their due diligence it sounds like they found the proper person it sounds like that person had the right credentials and yet they still had bad results well and you can have a bad result with anybody do you know what I mean you can't have a, a something bad happened. The other thing you might notice with a few of those patients is that they are asking for something really unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Someone should have told them no a long time ago. But, you know, here's an example of how it's difficult. I don't know if you remember that, was was it Dr. 90210 or something? That doctor was not board certified. Oh, he got his own show and everything? Wow. Yep. Yeah. And so a lot of times they pick people who are uh, personable 
And that, that one particular doctor just never passed his boards. So, uh, you know, if you can't even tell looking on TV or these, these producers can't tell the difference, it's, it can be challenging for the consumer who thinks they're doing a good job uh, doing the research. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the type of woman today that, you know, um, you know, what she's really looking for, because I think there's a big misconception about, you know, having work done is how people would reference it in general. Oh, have you had some work done? Or, oh, I had some work done. You know, we kind of use that expression as women and we're not necessarily saying I got a facelift or an eye lift or what are these things are. What is the type of woman that you think is coming to visit you today? And what's, what really are they wanting? Well, I actually thought in your introduction, you articulated it perfectly. Most of the patients are perfectly normal, uh, psychologically healthy, who just don't like what they look when they see in the mirror now. And they don't, they're not trying to look like they're 20 or 30. They might be 50 or 60. And they just want to look like a really good 50 or 60. And they specifically say, you know, don't make this too tight. Don't make me look strange. Because we've all seen people that take yes. it a couple steps too far. And or it's like someone who has had several children and they have worked their butt off, done their weight loss and got all their muscles. And they still don't feel confident in uh, either in clothes or even outside of clothes because they've got this saggy, empty breast and this saggy tummy, which no amount of exercise is going to help. And they're not bringing in some pictures of these supermodels or anything. They want their stuff. They want their bodies to look normal and attractive again. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's it. It's like, I, really believe and and I believe this for myself and I I promote this a lot on this show you know that we are beautiful from the inside out and and there's that marriage of how am I feeling on the inside about myself and how does that reflect on the outside and then at that point you know that's a that's a good kind of a barometer to be able to say what do I need to change and can I change it through diet and exercise. Are there some things that I can enhance just through diet and exercise? Because listen, I, I'm, I'm a busy woman. I'm sure you are too. I don't always eat right. I don't exercise on a regular basis. I go through pockets of where I'm really good at it. And then all of a sudden I get busy in my work and I, I, I'm not, I, I've been worked out in two months, right? So I kind of question myself in that regard. And then I look for things that it's like, oh, maybe I just need to get, you know, some, some new makeup or even a new lipstick. <laughs> Sometimes I take simple steps like that. But then I really look and say, you know what? I got, I got something going on here that is not matching who I am on the inside and it's making me feel self-conscious on the outside. And that's when I look to kind of take that next step of what do I need to do here? What, it, what, what's, what's the proper step that I can take? And I'm sure a lot of women feel that way in, doing, in, in kind of that assessment type of thing. Um, so we're going to talk about, when we get into the second segment, we're definitely going to talk about trends and everything. But here's one that I want to ask you, Dr. White, is one of the things that I do see, and I don't know how challenging it is, but I see that, you know, sometimes maybe these women, and I'm going to reference it as, you know, Botoxed, um, they're got this smooth, beautiful Botoxed face, and then they have a neck that kind of gives away their age. <laughs> 
Yes, it's difficult. Uh, one of the trends that we were talking about, of course, is using things like filler and Botox to stave off needing a facelift. And there's always going to be that transition period when before you've decided, okay, I've reached my limit and I'm going to have to actually take out some skin. Um, and But that also shows that people are recognizing that there's different things that change about your face than just wrinkles, right? So the skin, which a lot of it's sun damage, is mm. that with everything from, uh, you know, from the Botox to there's a lot of great skincare products and you can do peels and lasers. And then there's the loss of volume and that's where fillers or fat come in. And then there's, of course, the change in your skeletal structure. Your, your skull actually you lose a lot of bone through the mid face, through the jaw, everything. The eye sockets get bigger. And all these things together are what makes you look older. And just treating one aspect um, can leave you with that kind of dichotomy that you were talking about. So uh, you know, they can start with the Botox and the peels and stuff. But if they really want to, as you age, to have it look harmonious, they're going to have to look into some other things. Okay, and so that's when we need to go into a, a, a different stage. So it's not just going to yeah. be injectables at that point. You're, you're past the injectable phase. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. That's right. good to know. That's good to know. <clears throat> you know, I, my mother, um, oh, I'd say about 10 years ago, she had kind of the double chin, um, and she's and she'd had it for, you know, once she had her, you know, the, all of us as as children. She had four children. That's when it kind of like each child, it kind of created a little bit more of a chin. It was something that seemed hereditary because her mother had had it, her grandmother had had it, type of thing. And she was finally fed up with it. So she was like early sixties maybe mid sixties. And she was like, okay, I'm done with this. And, um, decided that she wanted to go have something done about it. And, you know, of course it was then at that point, it was kind of a plastic surgery and they, they really, they really did a nice job. And, um, I just, I loved the fact that my mother had the confidence to finally say, even at that age, that this is something that she wanted to do. And I love the fact that, you know, even though there was a, a couple weeks of healing and recovery in it all, um, I love the fact that when it was all said and done, she just felt so good about herself. And I, and I think that that's the part, you know, as a doctor, give us a story of somebody that, you know, has had that moment of, you know, and in anything that you do, you know, from your perspective of your, of your expertise that just made you feel good too about this is why I do this. Well, like your mom, we see that kind of thing every day. I think one of the patients that kind of touched me the most, and it still kind of makes me tear up, was this really nice woman who had ovarian cancer, and which is typically terminal, or at least yeah. we're doing a lot better with it now. But this is back 10, 15 years ago, and she knew it was a death sentence. She was in remission. She came in and said, I want to do my eyelids. And I'm, I told her, I'm not sure that's such a great idea, but eyelids you can do even if you're not that healthy. And then she said, if I do well and my next remission, I want to have a facelift. And so we'll talk to your doctors. But she got through the eyelids and then came back. Um, and then we did the facelift. And then she called me and she said, I just want to let you know, this is about a couple years later, that I have a sarcoma now from my treatment. I'm not going to last too much longer, but I want to say that that facelift was the best thing I ever did. You Aww. made me feel 
so much better about myself during my last years. And I just wanted to say thank you. Don't feel so- sorry for me because, you know, that was really upsetting to me. And uh, But she said, I just want to say thank you. So. Oh, I love that. See, you know what? It's like she knows where she's at and she still wants to feel good and look good um, in life. And, you know, and I, I, I love that kind of a woman that, that can take pride in herself. Now I'm going to, I'm going to kind of tip to one more conversation here before we take our break, because I think that the perceived beauty that we're all up against is kind of, you know, based against Hollywood and the Kardashians and all of this stuff. And then we think, you know, why can't we look like that? Why is it so difficult for us to, you know, to, to not have that perfect skin and that perfect buffed, you know, butt or whatever it is that they're doing. And I know that that kind of that, that really alters, you know, young women to be able to think what is beauty and what is perfection? How would you, how would you define and describe that for us? Well, for one, I'd say that most of the time they don't even look like that <laughs> in real life. <laughs> and I'm sure you've seen some of the celebrities up close. Some people uh, uh, look great on camera, and then you see them in real life, you realize they don't look quite so great. And stuff like you know Kim Kardashian, that is not going to age well at all. And that's mm-hmm. just a, that's just a fad. Uh, you know, your skin isn't going to stay taut forever, and you can't just keep filling it up. And I try to get people to think long-term when they're making selections, such as if you select super large breasts, you're permanently stretching out your skin. You're you know, committing yourself to needing more surgeries that you might not have needed if you just stuck with a, a size that's going to be uh, more appropriate long-term. Um, but uh, I understand why the celebrities don't say that they've had stuff done. But on the other hand, it can be frustrating. I just saw a whole section on women looking fabulous over 60, and it showed a lot of really beautiful woman, women from Hollywood, and they all said yoga, you know, stay out of the sun. And I, I know for a fact most, if not all of them, have had multiple surgeries. Mm. So people are setting up an unrealistic expectation if they think these people just look good um, naturally or because they're doing their yoga or steaming or you know whatever stuff they're they're doing plus they have professional makeup and um, they have time to for themselves to do their working out and everything too so I I tell people don't beat themselves up too much trying to look like celebrities I mean that's their job Yeah, 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 it is their job to look at. And of course, for them, you know, they want to continually be booked and to be booked, they have to have some level of uh, external aesthetic beauty to be able to be on camera, you know. Well, and a lot of them had that to begin with, too. That's what was initially uh, so popular. So interesting. You know, when you start out looking like Christy Brinkley, uh, you know, and you do some maintenance, you're going to look better than someone who didn't look like Christy Brinkley to begin with in the first place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she looks amazing still at her age. So good for her. <laughs> yeah, good for her. Exactly. But it's, I'm telling you, it's not the vitamin water, okay? <laughs> <laughs> or that one little fix that she might be promoting as a beauty product. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, in your, um, in your practice, um, so you, you offer uh, not only surgeries and stuff like that, but do you have an aesthetic side to your practice as well where people can come in and just get some small uh, injectables or non-invasive type programs set up? 
we go back and forth on that. We're probably going to expand more onto that in the future. For now, I'm the only one that does the um, Botox and filler. And so we really limit the number of people. We're not taking any new clients for that, but I'm busy training uh, an excellent physician's assistant because the things like the Botox and filler are so useful for the patient and they're, they're very gratifying. It's almost instant gratification with very little downtime, but it's, it's artistic. I think you can teach anyone to do Botox pretty much, but the filler as exemplified by all the people running around looking weird, uh, I think definitely you have to find the right person to do it. And um, we don't currently have a lot of the, uh, bells and whistles, the hydrofacials, but that's not to say that I don't think that those have a lot of benefit. We just choose right now to focus more on the surgery aspect. And of course, we have some skincare, but we don't have a separate aesthetic section at this time, although I keep considering doing it. We probably will in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a, you know, a growing category right now. Um, under the umbrella of beauty. And I think people are looking for, you know, that type of expert or that doctor that's going to be able to say, we can start here. But like you said, look at what it looks like into the future. What, what can you do into the future that's still going to create the most youthful appearance and, but also be somewhat age appropriate too, as to um, the type of work and maintenance that we're going to do. So last week I had a guest, her name was Maggie. She's somebody I've known in the beauty industry for many years. And I think she was born with good genes because her mother, um, you know, was beautiful. She showed me a picture of her mother uh, up until the age of like 97. And, and she definitely had some good genes, but I loved some of the tips and, and secrets that she shared and she hasn't had any surgery and she does, she does have that youthful appearance even at her age at 65. Um, but the, again, you know, she's also as a, as a model earlier in her life, she's maintained a good regime throughout her entire life that has probably brought her to 65 to still look good. So if, if you're, if you were at a younger age and you didn't take care of yourself and then all of a sudden you're 50 and you're like, I want to, you know, I got to reverse the clock here. Not so easy, right? No, I, I talk to people all the time, especially the young ones that come in, but Stay out of the sun. Just, just do it. You're gonna, you're gonna be sorry in 20 years. Gonna come back to me and say, okay, you were right. And what can you do now? And hopefully, we'll have uh, something better. The one thing we don't have, I think, is something that reliably will tighten skin without actually removing skin. And that's gonna be kind of the holy grail um, down the road. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a bunch now that's supposed to supposedly do it, but it's so minor. And uh, I like. Instead of afterwards, both of us going, I don't know, do you see an improvement? I like things where they're like, oh my God, this is so great. I'm so glad I did it. So that's more my personality as opposed to, you know, I, cause I try a lot of these new machines as they come out and occasionally I buy them and then have to get rid of them uh, because they don't meet my expectations. And I think a lot of places like dermatologists where they, they don't have the surgery option the patients are more accepting of just some minor change. And I think though from the plastic surgeon, I think they expect a little more. Yes, yes. And you know what? You want to make a good investment into the type of procedures you're offering your patients and clients. But you're right. I want to make a good investment too. You know, I want to know that that investment has the results that I'm looking for. 
yeah, who wants to spend $2,000, you know, every four months, and then you could have saved it up and actually had something that made a big, big difference. Yes, yeah, there's the transition. Perfect. Well, you know what, we're going to take a quick break because when we come back in our next segment, I want to talk about what those, some of those trends are that you're doing and uh, and some of those opportunities where you are seeing that great impact and the investment. I also want to make sure that we touch on how to be able to find a, a quality doctor and what you recommend for my listeners to be able to do their own do their own due diligence, but also once they're meeting with doctors, um, you know, that type of expectations they should have set up for them. So everybody stay with us. I'm going to come back with Dr. White. She's a board certified plastic surgeon. We're going to talk about those surgeries in just a minute. Stand by. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you looking to uncover your authentic self? Looking to improve your communication, selling, or public speaking skills? Discover Naked Audience Productions trainings on public speaking, leadership, sales, and healing. Mastering the art of authentic communications can change your life in many ways. From promotions to profits to enhancing any relationship, whether it's business or personal, finding and speaking your naked truth is a beautiful thing. Visit www.napevents.com or call 877-319-2403. That's napevents.com or 877-319-2403. Hi, Bonnie Bonadeo here. Would you date your brand? Yes, no, maybe. Maybe you're not even sure what a brand is. You know, like so many companies out there, they have a great product and they don't understand the ultimate brand connection. There's confusion between marketing, sales, branding, clarity of message and establishing a laser focused target on who your ultimate client is. So let me ask you these three questions. Do you know why you exist? Not your product, not your company, you. Do you know why you exist? And then what are you offering? And third, who are you offering it to? And if you can't answer these three questions with complete certainty, then you need to join me in Atlanta, Georgia, September 15th and 16th for Stages Speaking and Branding Course. It's a two-day workshop, two in-depth conversations between speaking and branding, and one fantastic brand message that you'll be able to speak with the ultimate confidence. So if you'd like to join me September 15th and 16th in Atlanta, Georgia for Stages, go to stagesspeakercourse.com. That's stagesspeakercourse.com. You can also find me on Facebook if you go Stages Speaking and Branding Course. See you there. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Beauty Inside and Out with Bonnie Bonadeo. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Bonnie at BonnieBonadeo.com. That's Bonnie at BonnieBonadeo.com. Now back to Beauty Inside and Out. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Beauty Inside and Out. I am talking with my guest today, and it's Dr. Deborah White. She's a board-certified plastic surgeon. She's got a practice in Scottsdale, Arizona. She's been at that since 1996. If you listened in the first segment, she shared that she really does specialize in the plastic surgery and not necessarily the aesthetic angle, but beauty in general and all of these particular new services and categories are becoming more and more popular and more accessible to all of us as women. So our, our title today is being able to you know, be, uh, be beautiful at the age of 50. And so we're going to talk about some surgeries and some trends that are happening right now that she's an expert in that we might want to consider instead of maybe, you know, maybe we've kind of reached that point where the fillers and the Botox is kind of keeping us at bay, but we might be getting to that next level of wanting to do something a little bit more, but we're afraid to. We're afraid to even set up that appointment or that consultation because we fear that we haven't found the right doctor. We fear that it's going to be too much and it's not going to be what, what the expectations that we're looking for. So, Deborah, thank you again for joining us today. I'm really interested in what is the next step? So if I'm somebody that is doing a little filler and a little Botox going on, and I'll, and I'll, kind of, I'll be one of your patients right now, I can't have the super smooth forehead, the, the, the no 11s going on, you know, no crow feet going on here because I have big folds around my cheeks and that would require an enormous amount of filler. And I don't want to do that because all it does is make my face look fat, right? It looks, it, yes. looks, it doesn't look proportionate. So I almost can't have a smooth, say above the nose, you know, up. Because below the nose down is where my aging is taking place. And the truth is, I've always been cheeky. I've always had the lines and I've always been cheeky. So I'm trying to balance this out. And there's a point where there's the next step for me. Um, so tell us a little bit about some of the surgery trends that are going on right now. And then maybe we can pinpoint which might, what one might be ideal for me as we progress. Well, we'll start with the face since that's what you um, that's what you're bringing up. And so, when you're starting with the fillers or fat or whatever, we talk about how the youthful face is full in the upper face and not full in the lower face. The jaw is not big. And then, as the aging starts, you start to see these jowls, and your face starts to get square. Mm -hmm. Yes. But starting with the brow, what you said is kind of the trend we see too. We see a lot more Botox and a lot fewer brow lifts. We still do brow lifts, but not, uh, certainly I don't like to do it the way they used to do it. I do it endoscopically, so you got three little incisions. But the frequency of doing brow lifts is way, way down because looking at young people, they unless, some people naturally have high brows, but most people do not. And pulling someone's brows up changes their appearance. And if there's someone who looks scowly and mad, that's a great thing. But if they looked fine to begin with, pulling it up just to get rid of lines isn't all that great. So eyelid surgery, particularly upper bluffs, are very popular in this age group. They're easy to do. And again, we really try to uh, do them way more conservatively than they used to. We don't take out all the fat. Don't take out all the skin. So you don't get that hollow look where people, it didn't make them look younger. They just look different. And that's not what people Oh, good point. That's a good point. Yeah. And then the, um, you can even do what we call a mini facelift. Now, all the doctors have their own, uh, 
there's no standardization. Some people think a full facelift includes eyes, brows, and stuff. For us, a uh, full facelift is face and neck. And the mini, which is a shorter incision, less, less uh, undermining of skin, so a little less invasive. But when you, that's for people that are at the stage where their lower neck looks fine their upper neck and jowl are starting to show signs of age. Like when you smile, you have now like 10 bracket lines instead of, <laughs> instead of like one or two. And just repositioning not only the skin, that's the thing. We don't tighten the skin so much as we tighten the underlying tissues and put them back where they belong and then just redrape the skin. And when you don't do that under a lot of tension, you don't get those funny pulled ears. You don't get those big wide scars. And so that's useful. But here's something that is relatively, it's been around forever, but it's starting to get popular. If you look at older people, their upper lip starts to get longer. Mm -hmm. Their lip itself flattens out. And you'll notice that when people that aren't young open their mouth, their lower teeth show. Uh Young people open their mouth, their upper teeth show. And so we've been doing more of these lip lifts where you take out skin just under the nose and it not only shortens that upper lip back to youthful, but it actually gives you a fuller upper lip that looks very natural because it's just rolled out more. It's not stuffed full like a sausage. So it's, it's very powerful and you only take out a couple millimeters. And I just want to throw in that there's a lot of uh, adjunct, things that are important to look younger too. And teeth is something people often ignore. Obviously we don't do teeth, but having brown stained chipped teeth and this beautiful face doesn't match either. So a good cosmetic dentist is useful. And then of course, uh, for a lot of women, hormone replacement, if it's appropriate, you have to talk to your GYN is useful because that helps you maintain that, uh, thicker, more youthful skin, uh, increased bone density, and of course, a nicer shape because loss of estrogen makes people put on fat around their midsections as opposed to having when a lot of women normally put it on like around their hips and buttocks, which is very feminine looking, as opposed to just getting a thicker waist. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's more face things that's uh the 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 lip lift is pretty it's one of the newer trends i'd say i love that you know what i just recorded a bunch of videos for some marketing campaigns Mm -hmm. and that was one of the things that i noticed and i'm like why can you only see my bottom teeth what's going on here i totally get that so i'm so glad that you shared that (laughs) Because I'm like, it's not, it wasn't, I thought, oh, it's a funny angle that I'm doing, but there's truth to that. So, all right. Thank you. The the jaw itself actually is the jaw bone gets smaller. And so what we're really trying to do is what we're kind of getting at here is we're starting to try to really assess what makes someone look young and what makes them look older because just taking out skin or just doing this or that, as we all have seen, people who've had a lot of work they don't look younger. They just look different. And that's what we're trying different. to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You are amazing. I'm loving this entire conversation because you're putting things into perspective that I think as a, as a consumer, 
I don't know what the answers are for that more youthful look other than, hey, you know, push my folds back a little more and get rid of my wrinkles. But if these other things are great secrets that you're sharing. That's that truly makes people look more rejuvenated without looking without looking strange. Like I was I'm always happy like this week we had a facelift consult and we always ask where they came from. And she said, oh, there's a woman at work. And she said, I don't know her that well. But she just, she looks, she looks so refreshed and so much better. And she goes, I couldn't tell if she'd had anything done or what she had done. So I asked the other people and they said, oh, she had a facelift. And she said, well, who did it? And so that's how she ended up in our, in our office. Cause she says, I couldn't even tell what she had done. I just knew she looked good. So that's what our oh, goal is. Oh, that is a beautiful goal. Perfect. Good. Okay. So we've kind of covered the face here with some ideas. Should we work our way to other parts of the body that you specialize in? Absolutely, because I was going to say one of the trends, because I chatted with some of my colleagues too, you know, what do you guys think you would say for women over 50? We're all seeing this, women who are downsizing their breasts or removing their implants altogether because the larger breasts, when you're older, can make you look matronly or Uh heavy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they've put on some weight since they had their implants put in. So now they're, now they're huge. And I see this all the time. I see people at the gym who I think, boy, you would look 10 or 15 pounds thinner with smaller implants. And I almost, I, I kind of half joke that the older you get, the smaller your breasts should be. Because small perky breasts are, are very youthful and you can wear a lot more youthful fashions than if you have these larger, and you know, especially if they're starting to sag. Uh, breasts. So uh, we even are doing, for people that just want to be done with implants, we're even doing fat transfer, which to me is kind of a twofer because you can get rid of, say, that roll that you're developing around your lower back that won't go away with diet and exercise and use it to upsize the breasts, although it's a lot more subtle augmentation than an implant. Okay. So, um, what do you do with somebody that did say maybe have large implants and you're removing them? You're having to remove some skin in that process too, because they've certainly stretched out that part of their body. So that's a, a lift along with the implant. Uh, okay. Okay. So that's then called a lift. Perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm one of the things that certainly, and I'm sure you've noticed this as well is that, you know, there was like this, this boomer generation and, and this, you know, this generation, Gen X, you know, they were all into some of these types of surgeries to be able to like look, you know, have the perfect body and everything. But I can say that these next generations are taking on a more natural and and maybe a, a more progressive approach to uh, accepting who they are and doing little things at an earlier age and, you know, to then to going in and saying, I want a boob job type of thing. Well, and I'm always flattered when my patients bring their daughters into me that want breast augmentation because they know that I'm going to try to help that woman see decades down the line and realize that if you put in some massive implants, you're going to stretch your skin out to paper thin. And let's say down the road you decide you don't want implants, you are really going to have a problem because you're going to need all kinds of surgery to try and make them look even slightly normal. And if you had just not gone so big in the first place, you could just remove them and have them shrink back to uh, what they were. So I'm, again, we're trying to uh, see if people can think ahead because I know when you're 20, you think when you're 40, you're not going to care. 
but we all know that 40 is <laughs> way better than 20 in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 40s, you know, 40s are great. So, and 50s. Yeah. So. 50s are, yeah, 50s are great. So, what about, um, like you said earlier, you know, no exercise is going to be able to help sometimes that excess weight that's getting around our gut. And so, and that's taking away from the shape, you know, like, I don't mind that I'm, that I'm getting fuller, but it, you know, as a woman, I don't mind the curves and stuff. Cause I was always pretty stick skinny for a good portion of my life being very athletic, but you know, the tummy part does bother me. <laughs> and unfortunately, most of that weight is intra-abdominal. It's hanging out around your organs. So there's no surgery for that. There's only weight loss. And as you probably know, weight loss over 50 is so difficult that I tell people if you could possibly do it, just don't gain the weight because you'll gain and lose it different than you used to when you were younger. You mm -hmm. lose it. You lose it off the places you want, like your butt or your breasts, and then you gain it. It goes around your waist. Now, if you happen to get that tire in the back, that those love handles, those uh -huh. do function well. And, you know, there's things like the cool sculpting and those machines, which they do work. Um, they are more subtle than liposuction, and they can end up costing just as much or more to do repeat applications. But there is the, there really is no downtime when you have that, that stuff done. And so that's, especially for busy people that don't want to have true quote surgery you can especially get the smaller ones uh off with the um with the non-surgical approaches there too mm, gotcha yeah those are and it's you're right that the cool sculpting and some of those type of techniques they're not cheap they, no, are, an, they are an investment yeah but for the right person and again that's the whole thing we were talking about you know make sure you have someone who's board certified because you need someone to help you navigate through this bewildering array of new technologies, some of which work well, some of which don't work quite as well. Like we have a new one that we just got in the office and it works fantastic. And that's always makes me happy because I've bought so many of these things that like, you know, Thermi that I didn't think gave enough of a, um, of an improvement. We have this thing called mirror dry and you don't hear too much about it, but it's a one-time treatment to permanently reduce sweating and odor. It kills those cells forever. And how nice is that in one treatment? Mm -hmm. so there are some really great uh, new technologies because some women don't want to use aluminum. They don't want to use um, you know, products like that because they're concerned for their health. Or some people are excessive sweaters or we get people who are like news anchors and stuff who don't want, <laughs> to, they, they can't sweat on the cameras. And we get men who just don't want to stink and smell at the gym. And yeah. then there's a trend that I don't know if you would get to, but certainly a trend now is are the whole labiaplasty and vaginal rejuvenation. Uh, yeah, I've heard a lot about it. This Is that one of the surgeries that you do? Absolutely. Uh, we do them in the office under local and because um, that changes also with age. So what, and, is, what is it you're actually doing down there? Because I guess that's the, the question, like you're removing excess skin. It depends on what the person has. You know, there's the inner labia and the outer labia. And a lot of times with older women, 
the outer labia, the lips get kind of empty looking and kind of saggy. And so there's a way to remove that skin to tighten it up right at the junction between the hair bearing and non hair bearing skin. And that incision is almost invisible. And then the inner lips, sometimes with pregnancy, childbirth, they're just longer or the, they don't like, you know, the pigment's gotten very dark and they just don't think it looks very pretty. And we basically trim those down so they're just more youthful looking. And we even do fat transfer to the outer labia, again, to make them look more uh, attractive. And part of that is because, you know, the trend for uh, people not having as much pubic hair as they used to. So now they're looking at it. <laughs> right, right. I think, Back the in the 70s, 70s no, you couldn't see anything. No, it didn't matter what you were hunting them. And so now the, the women, they, they want to look good completely. And they're like, okay, I look fantastic. These look 60. And we're like, okay, we can certainly easily, and it's a very straightforward, simple uh, procedures to, to trim those down to. Uh, I'm not going to really get into the actual vaginal rejuvenation. You know, when people have urologic problems, we send them to the urologist and the and the OBGYNs to do the internal stuff because I always say if I can't do it as well as or better than someone else, I'm going to refer you out to someone. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, really that's smart. Sure. Stay with your specialty and your yes. expertise. And yeah. Okay, so what is the downtime for the labia surgery that you were just talking about? Generally, it's, it depends on how much you have done. Three to six weeks of, we call it pelvic rest. Okay. <laughs> pelvic rest. Got it. <laughs> and certainly, you know, like bicycles or anything like that. But, you know, people are up and around and back at work depending on the person and just like the next day or a couple days at the most. Okay, good. All right. So what are some other trends? We were kind of working our way down the body here. I don't know if there's anything left. Yeah. What are well, some other trends? But butts, without doing the Kardashian thing, uh, as you get older, you can do squats all you want, and you but you've lost a lot of that subcutaneous fat, and uh, you know it can look not the way you like. And so, carefully, you can do fat transfer to the area. I say carefully because um, when people try to put the fat in deeper, like they used to until recently, there's a pretty decent chance of getting fat into the bloodstream, which can even cause death. And not to uh, be a downer on this show, but we want to emphasize safety. And so you can safely put fat uh, into the fatty layer and under the skin. But if you're trying to do these huge ones or to go deeper with the fat you have to be super careful there i don't know if it's gotten enough publicity but there have been you know several deaths in healthy young people so uh like anything else though you know go to someone who's trained make sure they um try to adhere to all the newest guidelines about doing the the bbl the brazilian butt lift because just pulling up on the skin if you tried that yourself on your butt you'd say that isn't really <laughs> a good look necessarily no. for people who've lost a hundred, 200 pounds, pulling up the skin for a butt lift is absolutely appropriate for, for the average person. You've just had some deflation and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm super excited. I think in the next 10 years, we'll hopefully have uh, 
products. Like there's one called, uh, what is it? I think it's Renuva. And it comes in just a one cc size. And they took fat and they got rid of all the things that your body could react to. And it's down to just cellular structure and um, substances that help encourage fat regrowth. And you can inject this stuff under the skin and fat will grow there. Mm. But right now it's a small size, so you can use it for a little divot, uh, like one cc, two cc's. But if they start coming up with clever things like that, where uh, you can inject and get some fullness without having to harvest, that'd be nice. But on, for, especially for thin women. Now, for women that have a little extra fat, it's just like with the fat transferred to the breast. It's a twofer. You're taking the fat away from somewhere they don't like, like the waist, and putting it somewhere that they'll get some benefit on just to give them that uh, fullness and, and nice shape again without turning it into a Kardashian butt. That would take a lot of effort to work into Kardashian. They put a lot of effort into getting them They that. put a lot of effort into their looks. And, you know, they got people yeah. probably working on them all day long sometimes to kind of maintain that. Well, we only have a few minutes left. And I want to be able to kind of like wrap up this conversation with, so now we've been educated on some great trends and some opportunities for us to be able to be our age, but look our, look our best at our age. What's that recommendation that you want people to walk into? So they're, they're going to, they're going to take some action. They're going to go in and make an appointment. What's the most important thing you want to share with those potential consumers and soon to be patients um, of yours? What do you want them to walk in with this open mind, this ability to listen to all parts or what? Yeah, because what I want them to do is, because I figure they're, they're there for a fact-finding mission, and my job is to find out what they don't like and then share with them my experience in what different options they have available and what are the pluses and minuses, because uh, we also want to carefully listen to them, because everyone really has a different idea about what they think looks attractive. We have them, like for breasts, I have them bring in pictures. And if it looks nothing like what can we achieve, we can achieve, I make sure we tell them that. And let's talk about what I think we can achieve and make sure that's something that they want. So um, again, just have them really have thought about what they don't like and then be open to understanding that some stuff you just can't fix and some stuff we can and there's different ways of doing it some that are more invasive and some that aren't that's great that's really really good advice because you know i never would have thought about like what you said the lip lift um you know i keep thinking that i need to get rid of these folds i need to get rid of these folds but the truth is, is if i had a bigger smile you would notice that over the fact that i got some deep creases well and remember that other people don't see you the same way you see yourself in the yes, mirror. Of course, that, that, rear, that the camera, the rear facing camera on the phone has caused a lot of anguish. <laughs> I, try, I try to tell people that other people don't see you that way either. They're not looking at you. <laughs> right. All the, all the stuff that you don't want to see seems to be emphasized on a rear facing phone. Yeah. Oh my gosh, uh, no. This has been, this has been very educational. I absolutely appreciate um, all the information you've given. Can you please give us some insight of how people can find you so that they can start being in action and saying, yeah, I'm ready to do this. Well, there's always, if you want to look in general, there's the um, 
the ASPS and the ASAPs. One is the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. The other is the American Society of Aesthetics Plastic Surgeons. That's the National Society. You can look people up. It's www.surgery.org and www.plasticsurgery.org. And then for me, I have my website. It's uh, www.drwhiteplasticsurgery.com. And it's D-R-W-H-I-T-E. Because um, I think the websites are useful. Um, people always like to see befores and afters, and I'm way behind on it, but we, we keep adding to it. But you, that's one way to get an idea. And, of course, you can always call for a consult, and um, you know we'll spend time trying to figure out what you are really looking for and, and you know how we can help. Well, thank you, Dr. White. This really, honestly, has been educational. And I think that you being on the radio and hearing your voice and hearing your expertise and what matters to you as a doctor is also really relevant. So uh, good stuff. I hope that you'll put this uh, show on your website because it really oh, allows people to get to know you as a doctor to be able to, um, you know, trust. That's a big word there in, in this world here. Trust that you're going to do the right thing for them to look their best. I can see that's what you're all about. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for joining me. In the month of July, we absolutely talked about all different things to be able to have women over 50 feel their best and look their best. We're going to be trailing into August. Um, and we're going to continue to talk about beauty and fashion on all different levels. And then as we get into September, we're going to take a little bit of a turn and we're going to transition into a little bit more of beauty on the inside. And we're going to talk about ways to be able to live your best life. And that's going to include, you know, looking at stages of depression and anxiety that might be stopping us from being able to live our best life. I'm going to have a co-host with me, Gloria Coppola. Um, and we're going to be talking with some guests about ways to be able to reduce some of the stressors we have in our life to be able to have an amazing life and be most beautiful. Thank you, Dr. White, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on. This yeah, I appreciate all of your knowledge. And remember, everybody, to always be you in beauty. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for listening to Beauty Inside and Out. Please join your host, Bonnie Bonadeo, again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.